I think one of my biggest pieces of advice is don't compete, collaborate. Yeah. yeah. Um, recognize that the best thing you can do for your business is to encourage other businesses to succeed. This is New York City. There's yeah. plenty of space for all of us, especially those of us who are really striving to do things well. Um, and you're much better off making friends than trying to, to put down the competition. Hi, my name is Ellie Cody, and this is Manhattan Sideways. On today's episode, we sat down with Mike Riz of Salon Riz and Amanda Gagnon of Amanda Gagnon Dog Training. Here's what Betsy Bober-Pallavi, founder of Manhattan Sideways, had to say about these businesses. One day I met somebody who talked to me and said, I go to this amazing salon on 82nd Street. You have to check it out when you get there. And I was several blocks away from there at that point. But I remembered, and when I reached 82nd, and I went down a few steps, and I found Mike at his salon. I told him how I had found out about him and immediately developed this lovely relationship with him. And for the past, I think, three years now, that's where I go to have my hair done. Always a fun stop in my busy day. And then I had the pleasure of meeting his wife and hearing her story and her passion for dogs um, and all animals. And she just recently, in 2018, opened her own dog training business located just three blocks, literally three blocks north on 85th Street of Mike. So I just thought it would be really fun to have them both tell their story. Mike comes from Lebanon, Amanda is American, and how they met, how they joined forces, and they also have the most beautiful little girl named Savannah. Hi, I'm Amanda Gagnon, and I run Amanda Gagnon Dog Training on the Upper West Side. Uh, we are a dog training and cultural center for dogs and their humans. Uh, basically what that means is we do all the traditional things that people think of when they think of dog training, like puppy kindergartens and private sessions to help with aggression issues. But we also try to do a lot to bring people together to make the dog-human relationship better. Um, so I'm not just a dog trainer, I'm an anthrozoologist, which means I study the relationship between people and dogs. Um, and so a big part of our goal at the training center isn't just to get dogs to behave better, it's to make your life better with your dog. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we do. Thank you. Mike? Hi, my name is Mike Rez. I'm the owner of Salon Rez, 82nd and Columbus. Salon Rez is part of the community. It's, uh, it's more than a hair salon. It's bringing people together where people come in and meet and gather and they feel they get away from the city. It's a place where you really feel it's relaxing and it's a kind of uh, meditation. So you get, you came, you look good, you feel good, and it's it's hidden, it's under you know the ground, which is make it even more kind of uh, sexy in a way. Yeah, that's my business. Thank you. And what's your relationship to each other, and how did you meet? <laughs> uh, I kind of like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're married. Um, and obviously. Obviously. Mm. How long have we been married? We met for. Three and a half, four, four and a half years. He's, believe it or five, not, he's better at keeping track of it. Five years in August, <laughs> August 23rd. Yeah, and we've been together more than 10 now, almost 11 years. Um, but we knew each other, so we've known each other since 2004. Yeah, Amanda was, so Amanda was my client for four years before I asked her out. And 
it's like sometimes you you never you you know you like someone but you never know, and sometimes you have to wait for the right moment or the right time. And it took us four years before I asked her out, and it was the right moment, you know. And uh, and of course I said no yeah. originally because <laughs> he's my hairstylist. <laughs> And what I told him when he first asked me out, it was at the beginning of doing my hair. He asked, he thought we should go to dinner sometime, and I was like, "Are you crazy? I there are men everywhere. I have one hairstylist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, most of the time you have your hairstylist almost your whole life. Maybe you have two. Um, yeah, I can I convince her. <laughs> I bought her Levan Bakery cookie and and black True coffee, story. and that was really that was like she's like, oh my god, this is the best ever. Do you still do her hair? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the deal. Yeah, I have to do that, my hair. But it costs me extra now. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing for free. No, but I knew, I mean, I was joking with him when he asked me out, but I also knew that he was a really nice guy, and um, I had sort of made a promise to myself that I needed to seek out really good, nice men at that time, and, and so it was just the right moment for him to ask me, and it just it turned out to be the perfect thing. He's a, he's a really good man. <laughs> yeah. and, and what's really cool about our relation is, like, me and Amanda, I think, like, you see a lot of couple, but we both work as a team. I think that's important. Like, we really work as independent and together. Like, we both, like, now we're growing, we have our business, but also our, our separate life in a way. So we don't feel like, um, she's my wife and we stuck together. Mm -hmm. We have really our fun together. We have our freedom together, you know, and which really make the relationship all exciting in every, you know, like she helped me with my business. She ha she comes complete some stuff I, uh, you know, I don't see. The same with me. I come and help her with stuff she's nervous about. I push her. Mm. So what think, do you think? Do you, what do you think you bring to each other's businesses? I really think we our skills complement each other in a lot of ways. Um, you know, he he's a really really hard worker, um, and he taught me a lot about how to be a hard worker without it being too much. Um, not that I was ever a lazy person, but there is sort of this sense, maybe and maybe it's slightly cultural, this sense that I deserved all the good things in life, which of course we do but we also have to earn them. Um, and he comes from a place where you had better earn them or you're not gonna have anything because um, he was born and raised in Lebanon. And so he yeah. taught me a lot about hard work. Um, and the other big gift that he gave me is he's, this man is the ultimate host. He knows how to make anybody who walks into a room feel loved and at home. And I don't think that's a skill that I naturally possess, um, but Whenever I feel like it's needed, I can sort of channel his energy, and I, I can literally ask myself, "What would Mike do?" Um, that's the, those are the two big things that he really brings to the table for me. Yeah, I mean, like, it's uh, like coming from Lebanon. It's actually talking about the culture. Like, like I grew up with hospitality. Our culture is about hospitality, mm -hmm. and and like for me, bring it to my salon or to my life. It's I don't even think about it. I just like, I just like. Uh, I would say that you can't not do it. Yeah. <laughs> he can't turn it off even if he wants to. It's part of who he is. Yeah. You know, like so people come to the salon and they feel like I make everyone feel special because that's what I believe. I really I do it without even thinking about it. Yeah. You know, uh, and so what Amanda really brings to me, I feel like 
she also like slow me down a little bit, which is like the balance. Like I, yeah, I used to work seven days a week nonstop. Like I came, I grew up in a war in Lebanon. I have no money, so like I came here a long way. Like I, you know, I used to make three dollar a week in Lebanon. So for me, it's like I have no other chance. It's not. There's no option. It's no. I'm coming here. I have to make it. It's not. There's no going back, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I work, you know, I mean, I start like, I start from scratch, I, you know, I slept in the streets in the beginning, you know? Like I went through the whole stuff and it's nice to build it step by step, which I believe, I, I never believe you're gonna win Mega Million or Beards, you have to build it step by step. But Amanda, she brings so much to us, it's like she sometimes make me take the more day off. She make me really relax because otherwise I'll be working nonstop. <laughs> so the balance, you know, like she pushed me back a little bit, I push her forward and she really helped me. You know, she have, like she really have a lot, you know, she's she's more educated than I am with certain, so she helped me with, you know, the law in the US. And, Cause I'm like, you know, no problem, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you do everything on a handshake. Yeah, and yeah. I trust you. I trust you. So she like, no, you have to let to be. This is no. Like it's America. You can't just be like this. Amanda, where are you from originally? Uh, I was born in New Hampshire, okay. but I grew up in Virginia. Uh, so I really consider myself to be from Virginia. Um, in this, what was a small town in the mountains, has grown up a lot into sort of a, a suburban, just outside of DC area. But when I was growing up there, it was orchards and farms and. Um, so a kind of a quasi-suburban rural area. So coming to New York was definitely a big shock for me. And I also, I went to college down there. I was an actor. Uh, so I had all this theater experience and, and I came to New York and it was a pretty big culture shock, even though I considered myself a woman of the world. I hadn't experienced much that was <laughs> of the adventure that New York would bring. What um, made you come to New York? I was an actor then. Yeah, okay. so okay. before I was a scientist, <laughs> long ago, I never could have foreseen where my career path would go. Um, I grew up being an actor um, from when I was very little. I did regional theater and things like that and came to New York. And I'd always loved acting, interestingly, until I came to New York. Um, and I think one of the biggest things that I always loved about it was the there are two things when I look back now, and maybe it's a hindsight thing, but when I look back now, I think I loved the community. So you get to know the people who you do shows with in a way that's really very special. And I loved the psychology. So it's a study of human behavior. Every show that you do, you're learning how to be a particular character, you're learning the motivations for that character, you're learning why they react in the way that they do, and you make a study of that. Um, so I suppose it should be no surprise if those are my two favorite things that I wanted to have a dog behavior center <laughs> and to focus on human-animal relationships. And I, 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 so I did acting for a long time when I first came here, or for several years, with medium results, which is fine. And when you're having medium results as an actor, at some point you take a day job, or two, or three, or four. Uh, and one of the day jobs I took was at a, a small doggy daycare, and I never went on another audition. I loved it so much working with the dogs that it just snowballed. One thing led to another after that. What did you love about it? Um, uh, the the first thing that I would say I loved is just... <laughs> Let's <laughs> introduce Drago. Can, you, can you introduce him? Drago, Drago, come here, bud. Uh, Drago's my dog. He's a rescued mutt of some kind. What he looks like is a red hound dog. Um, and Drago's so sweet, I adopted him from a rescue called Muddy Paws Rescue. And he's a good boy. He came from someplace down south. Yeah, yep. everybody. <laughs> yeah, Drago's here too. Yeah, so you might hear some <laughs> rustling, some bone chewing. He's being a very good boy. <laughs> um, 
Can we have like a little taste of, of what you do? Um, maybe you could give some tips on what to do with a, a dog who's shy like Drago. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we do, we do so many things here for dog training. It runs the gamut from basic puppy skills. So anytime you get a new puppy, you should call a trainer right away. Um, cause you can enroll and even low cost, there's so many affordable things that you can do all the way up the gamut to getting private customized full scale training. Um, and that's the most important thing you can do as a dog owner. If you get a young puppy call before you get that puppy. Mm -hmm. If you didn't know you were getting it call the day you get that puppy because early advice can prevent so many behavior problems and you won't have to get to know me that well. <laughs> we can just do a few things together and we can prevent all of this, the, the things that can go wrong um, versus waiting until much, much later. And of course, if you get an adult dog, you know, you wanna help fix any things that come up. And when you get a rescue, sometimes you might, you don't know what you're gonna get. Even when you meet them in a shelter, even if they have the best behaviorist on staff, that dog is in a probably high stress environment and certainly in an unusual environment that's going to be nothing like what your home environment will be like. So even if I run a series of behavioral tests on that dog, I'm guessing what that dog's gonna be like in another environment. Um, so sometimes you'll take a dog home and you'll find that they have some issues and maybe you'll even know in advance and you'll have it in your heart to commit to a project to bring a dog home because those dogs need homes and people who care and have a little bit of time and energy too. Um, but if you, if you find yourself with a dog that's anxious or shy, um, as I say, the first thing I would suggest is to get some professional advice because it can set you on the right path and also avoid confusion. Because in the age that we live right now, you can go online and you could read 50 books or you could read 50 blogs or you could listen to 50, you know, media, podcasts, podcasts <laughs> right? You can listen to 50 podcasts and get 50 different opinions, right? And you won't know where to go. Um, and so I find one of the first things that I'm helping people with is to alleviate some of that anxiety of, oh my gosh, I don't know which, which approach to even take. Um, and what you get with someone who, who's done the research and who, who is professionally certified and who, who really cares about these topics is, I, I'm going to get to know you, I'm going to get to know your dog, and I'm going to show you the best path for the two of you, or the four of you as the case may be. <laughs> um, but to get started, the first and most important thing to do with a shy dog is not to force the issue. Um, the most common mistake that people make is they think, I'm going to try to expose him to it and get him over it by pushing him into a situation that he's not ready for. Um, for example, Draco was scared of people, right? And he still has some of that fear. And so what's hard is that people see him and they see how cute he is and they want to try to pet him and they want to try to get to know him. And the last thing he needs is for someone to force in and try to pet him and snuggle him. He doesn't want that. And sometimes people will think, oh, well, he should want that. He's a dog. That's not actually the case. Why should he want that? If I don't want someone to snuggle me, I don't have to have that. <laughs> it's not that different for a dog. Why should he be forced to snuggle if he's scared of it? So the first piece of advice I give is if your dog is afraid of something, identify what that is and don't force it. What you wanna do is do very small incremental exposures and let your dog set the pace for, for how quickly you go. And then we try to pair it with something the dog likes most of the time we're gonna use food. So we'll present whatever that stimulus is and then we'll give the dog a piece of food so that the dog can learn a new pattern of association. So it's not just scary human, it's, oh, humans mean food, humans mean food. And over time we can change the way that they feel about that. Mm -hmm. um, so don't force it, get some professional help. Um, and try to change their association with it over time. Cool, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that it takes, you know, all of that sort of specific knowledge and study 
and somebody who's done all of their research, what what have you been doing to educate yourself? I'm always I'm always doing more um, because there really is so much more to learn. One of the things that attracted me to dog training from the beginning was that you're never done. And maybe this is true of every subject, but it's yeah. definitely... I mean, you're never even, done yeah, learning hair. Yeah, you're never like, oh, I'm, I'm perfect. No, every day you learn and you go to hair shows. And actually, that will keep you going because you cannot just stop yeah. in anything. You, can, you have to always, every day you learn and you keep going. Yeah, so, so these days... So I started off doing all the work that needs to be done to become a professional dog trainer and I got my certification and tried to level up those certifications and then I had always told myself that I would go back someday and get my master's degree in something and I, I sort of knew when I was young when I was like 18 that I didn't know what that would be and so after I graduated from undergrad I was like let me re-examine this when I'm like 30 and see and thank goodness because I ended up in a totally different career and so right around that time I, I was going okay I would like to get a master's degree in animal behavior, perhaps, or something like that. And so I was looking at different programs in animal behavior. And to me, there was always something that was missing from it for me, right? So the programs are, I'm sure, are very solid. But for me, there was something missing from it. Um, and I wasn't sure exactly what it was. But I would look at the curriculums and go, I'm only interested in some of this stuff. Only some of this stuff is going to apply to what I do. Um, and then... One day, a few years ago, I came across um, a program in anthrozoology, which I had never heard of before because it's a very new field. And as I mentioned before, it's the study of the relationship between humans and animals. And it dawned on me that that's what was missing. You take an animal behavior course and you're not studying the human animal. And a huge part of what I do is working with people. I don't just work with dogs. That's like the starting point for what I do as a trainer. And so I realized that's what I'm interested in. And then I went and I looked at the curriculum that they offer and every class was like, yes, yes, yeah, oh, that, oh, I wanna take that. Interestingly, the due date for the application for that program was, I wanna say it was three weeks after I saw it. And I was going, I wanna do this so much. And so I, was, I spent weeks just on the phone getting letters of reference and I mm -hmm. never, like everything had to be dug out. I had to write essays again for the first time in, in forever. Um, and luckily got accepted to the program and it's been pretty amazing. It's at Canisius College out of Buffalo. Okay, it's, and you're still in the program. I'm still in the program. I'm, I'm everything but thesis right now. So I'm doing like a big research project this year um, where I'm going to be studying the relationship between dogs and humans in Lebanon. Uh, because I've got a couple connections there. I don't know if you've met my Chris. <laughs> uh, but also, I really, I'm very interested in the way dog, dogs and humans relate in foreign cultures. Because I think it has a lot to teach us about... I'm just interested, but I also think it has a lot to teach us about the way that we relate. Because we tend to think of our own way of relating with dogs in Western culture as the way it is everywhere, or the way it should be everywhere. Um, and I think that neither of those things is true. And it's so interesting. And anybody who travels will say, oh, I, when I tell people this, oh, when I was in uh, Costa Rica, I noticed the dogs on the beach and I was curious about those stray dogs. Or, oh, when I was in this place, I noticed that everybody seems to have a Pomeranian and they dress them in leather coats. And so you notice the differences and there's a huge difference culturally. So that's what I'm looking at for my project. It's going to be... So yeah, I think I would plan, very much love to yeah. read that. Her <laughs> plan is like start in Lebanon, maybe like do all over the world. I think that is study, you know, the animal behavior, dogs, relate culture, and all uh -huh. over the world. Will you be traveling for that? Yes. Will you get to travel together? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have to help a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> He's my and, favorite travel buddy. So yeah. I'm wondering. Um, 
what you notice about dogs in New York. What do you notice about like the way that people treat dogs specifically here? Oh, so many things. Um, people are different everywhere, but I think if you're speaking generically about the majority of people in New York, they fall into a couple of categories. And the main one is we treat our dogs as our children. And so everybody knows people like this on, on varying to varying degrees. Um, some people will go so far as to call themselves the parents of their dog, P-A-W. Um, <laughs> um, and to really spoil the heck out of them, they have little like their own special crib like beds. And, and there's, I'm not assigning judgment to any of these things. They're just different ways of relating. Mm -hmm. um, and then some people treat their dogs in more of a utilitarian way. They're, they're working dogs in some way. So they're teaching them to... Um, to be service animals or something like that. And then there's sort of this in-between category of people who consider their dogs a companion, but not necessarily a child. Um, and that tends to be sort of as far out as it goes. We don't have, what we don't have much in New York, which I think is illustrative of what different cultures are like, is um, a free-roaming dog population. Um, and we don't have what we call latchkey dogs or village dogs, so dogs that sort of come in and out of people's lives but go about their business. <laughs> we don't have that. Every dog is owned by someone and, and here for a specific, very specific purpose, which is how Western culture sort of looks at dogs and the way that they should be. I mean, most people don't know that 80% of the world's dog population, something like that, is free roaming. Um, so what we think of as normal actually really truly isn't, isn't average. Right? So maybe it's what should be normal. That's a matter of opinion, but it's definitely not the norm yeah. around the world. So one thing that I'm wondering now is how you got to open this space and find this space and how did you choose the location? Um, all of those kinds of technical things. Yeah, I well, I've been in the business for 10 years um, and I've been renting facilities around town, um, which is great because I've, I've got a lot of great relationships with different doggy daycares um, and some unusual places like a church basement that we rented for a while and things like that. Um, and I had the advantage, and this goes back to what we were saying about us being a team, I had the advantage of having gone through the process of opening Mike's salon with yeah. him. Mm -hmm. Um, and we really did work on that together. Yeah, like yeah, like my salon, it's it's basement. Like when I open my salon, I mean, you have to have a really vision to do it. Mm -hmm. It's scary. Everyone I brought there, they're like, "You crazy?" Because it's 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 you know, it's a rubbish room. It's a it room was literally it said rubbish so, room. On so so you know, you have to really have <laughs> the vision. You have to really have your heart to it. So like I did it, and Amanda helped me, and we did, we were hundred percent in it. Well, actually, when I saw this space, it was by accident, honestly. Like, I was walking, I parked my car here, and I saw this place for rent. And I think I'm now, you can call me the basement expert. But I always, I like basement because it's like, it's under the ground. It have like, you can make it so much charm. You can put so much love in it, mm -hmm. and you can change the whole vibe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in, in the dog business, like, it's, it's hard to make it. But, you know, it's, it's expensive. And, you know, you don't make too much money. You really do it because you're for good cause. You love helping dogs. The trouble is that you need so much space in order to run dog classes effectively. And, but you can't put a lot of dogs in there. So it's not like a yoga class where you can, you say, okay, I've got this much square feet. I'm going to, as many mats as I can fit, that's how many. You can't put dogs that close together and ask them to work. 
So I can maximum get a, only a certain number of dogs per square foot, but real estate in New York, of course, is so expensive um, that it's kind of cost prohibitive. We, we had been casually looking, yeah. I would say, yeah. for a couple of years. Every time we would see something that might be an option, we would go in and look and go, oh my goodness. Because I also didn't want it to be awful space. I want it to be a place that people like to come. So it's not about building a facility that just dogs will like. I want people to be okay being here as well. Not even okay. Love it. Um, so we'd look at spaces and just sort of go, okay, we can cross that off the list. That's not going to work. Or, you know, it's like a, a million dollars a month or whatever. Um, so I obviously can't charge my clients that much to make it worth it, etc. Um, and so we were sort of thinking the same thing when Mike saw the sign for this space. And Mike was the one who saw it, and he texted me, and he said, well, there's this space, it's three blocks north of the salon on 85th Street, and it used to be a doggy daycare, you know, maybe it would be good. Um, yeah, so I like, said, okay, let's go look at, it, look at it so we can stop, it'll stop keeping us up at night. We can just go look at it and know that it's not going to be any good. Um, and then we looked at it, and we thought, maybe oh, this could work. We could fix it, you know? Maybe Again, we could like, fix it, like, yeah. Need some work, and I'm like, okay, if you open it up, we started, like, we use our vision, and I'm very, like, I'm, I get excited and I jump 100%. I'm like, you know what, this is, this is it, maybe. And interesting, yeah, we find it, the landlord love animal. There's other people put Which is more beds. And he really liked Amanda and what she tried to do, and, and he gave it to her. And there's two other people who want the space. And I'm so excited. Well, he told me he had a whole list of yeah. people. I felt like I was auditioning. <laughs> and now, like, she have her dream, like, where she built, you know, she wants to do the culture, where she can help the community, where she can help, I was telling you earlier, helping kids how to say hi to dogs. You know, like, it's, Amanda have a lot of more than just, like, a dog. She want to create a really environment where she can really help everyone, educate yeah. everyone. And I think that's really that. It's, it's been really exciting process and even though I've been running my business for for a number of years but it was a huge risk because the the nice thing about not having a footprint is it's pretty flexible you know if you have a bad month that sort of thing you can sort of cut your overhead and it's it's not the end of the world but here it's like no it's not that flexible you have got to meet that overhead every month and yeah. it so it's a pretty big risk and pretty scary I did have quite a few sleepless nights going through it. I was like, oh, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, but the truth is I know why I'm doing it because I think it's, I think it's so important because as humans at this time in history, in our culture, we find ourselves very disconnected from the non-human world, very disconnected from nature, chronically lonely and what the dream is for this space and what we've been able to have some success doing already and so I can't wait to see what we can do is to create that community that can solve or resolve some of that loneliness and to help people reconnect with a lost part of ourselves. I'd love to jump to Mike now yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Um, how did you get into the hair business? I mean, I grew up in Lebanon uh, you know, school, like, we, we really, it was a civil war. I grew up, all my childhood was in the war. So you don't have too much opportunity, you know, my family doesn't have too much money. So I remember in the summer I used to go, like, work in this, like, barber place just to clean, you know, and he used to give me $3 a week. Like, that was, you know, the first time. And I really started liking it. I'm like, maybe I should do hair. 
you know. I really want to become jewelry designer. That was my dream. Mm -hmm. But you need money. So yeah. I just start, you know, from scratch. I start saving money. I remember I used to save all the empty hairspray cans and, you know, I go sell them mm -hmm. to save money. And it, I think like what I tell oh, everyone, even my team or, or people, I'm like, listen, you can make your dream come true. You really could. But you have to put 100% in it and you have to work through it. You can't just like wait for someone to give it for you. Like I think that's the, the, the secret. It's, mm -hmm. You can be anything you want, but you're going to be 100% in it and you're going to go all the way. You cannot stop. So yeah, I start, you know, I save in like nine months, $700. Like it's, you know, from nothing. Like, you know, saving every penny. And I went to this beauty school in Beirut. It was French school. And they want like $1,700. And I have, all I have is 800 And I beg them. I'm like, I will do anything just to get in, you know? And I show them I really want this. And I think, I think so. you have to really show people you want this job. And I remember the uh, uh, director of the school, he's like, okay, I'm going to make a deal. I'm going to get you in, but you have to work for a year and a half for free after school. I'm like, I'm in. I just, you know, because I know I need that start. Mm -hmm. I need it. And look, it's changed my life. I, you know, I finished school and then I went, I work in another salon in Beirut. I start making $200 a month. Then I work with bigger salon where I start making a celebrity. One of them, she like really liked me a lot. And I started traveling with her, doing her. So it's like, you know, you build it. And yeah, and all of a sudden I started going all over the world doing her. And coming to US was really not in my plan at all. I never, I have no family here. I have no one. And uh, one of my clients, she, she was, she worked in the embassy, you know, and she really like liked me, and she like, you know, you have so much passion, you can do well in the US. And it's like everything started putting together. Then one of my one of my clients, she also like Middle Eastern celebrity, and it happened she was coming to US for a tour, and she's like, well, you know, you come with me, do my hair. And I got to the work visa. I was like, all things start laying for me. I'm like, it's a sign. I have to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I came to US. I came. I don't know anyone here. And and I knew it. I want to come to New York. That was for me, like, New York is my dream if I want to come to US. So we did a tour for a couple of months. And then I I came to New York. And I start, you know, the same. I start from scratch. It was really hard. Like, I thought, yeah, New York City is, is the best place in the world, but it also can be the hardest place in the world. Mm -hmm. It's not, I, I see people coming here, they struggle, they do, they get into, you know, drugs, they get, because everything in New York you can have. Mm -hmm. But you have to focus. If you want to make it happen in New York, you have to really work hard through it. Mm -hmm. When was it that you came to New York? I came uh, early 2005. Yeah. Okay. I came, yeah, I came by myself. Uh, and it was very, like, I mean, the first two years was tough. I remember when I, when I came to JFK and I really, I have, all I have, like $3,500, all I have in my pocket. And they have to last me, like, I took a taxi and it was like $100. I was, oh my God, <laughs> it last me like a week. And, and in this guy, it was a rainy day, he dropped, I never forget that day because it was, it was awful. He dropped me in Queens in like this weird area, I have no idea where I'm going, I have no idea. And I couldn't find a place to stay, like, you know. I finally like find this motel was like very sketchy and it charged me like $90 a night. So I put like three nights, another $300. I'm like, geez, like money's going. <laughs> yeah. 
And I remember I stayed in the room for three days. I didn't leave the room with no food because I was so depressed. It's like, really, I have my, all my clothes wet. But then, you know, I'm like, you know, no, I need to do something. And the first thing I did, I went to English school. That was the first thing. I'm like, I need to get my English better. And I went to school and I met one girl. She She's my student and she was working in the salon. And she's like, oh, you're a hairstylist. You know, like, you're going to put your heart there. And... She introduced me to her boss, and he's like, you know what? I will give you one day a week. And I'm like, for me, I never say no. Like, I'm like, one day I will take it. Half a day I will take it. Because I know my 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 mission more than just this. I see the biggest picture. And that's how it starts. I work one day. He gave me $100 for a day. Then I work two days. And I work five days, you know? And I get all my license, you know? Years later, I have my salon, which is always my dream to open salon where it's really a community more than hair salon where I believe people come to the salon they feel all connected I feel I can connect everyone to each other yeah. I can help my clients I can promote for the product without you know because I really I think it's a hair salon it's really special people come to salon to feel good to look good people come to uh, you know let it go like people sit down and they really they feel they are they not in the city, in the stressful, you know, uh, world we are. Can you describe the space in your salon? How do you make that possible? I mean, again, my space is basement, you know. But I said, and I was talking to Amanda, and she even told me, like, well, you know what, you have to make it really cool. And what's really special, I think, I, I have this gift. And I think, Amanda, we pay attention for details, not just, like, fancy chair or fancy I put so much love in my salon like and you can see it like I pay attention for what drink I'm making for the client I make make attention what decoration I put I pay attention what the flower I pay attention all this small like when you get in shampoo there's butterflies in the ceiling and I and I bet because I see what I want and I and I, I deliver it for the client and people see that it's not about the biggest pictures about the details it was really important to us in the development of the salon design because it was this rubbish room. It was this basement. And you don't want to go into a basement space to have your hair done and feel like you're in the basement, like you've been like relegated to this crummy rubbish room. And so there are a couple things we really focused on. And one of the things that I suggested was let's make it like a secret. Like it's something you have mm. to know about. Like it's that place that's downstairs. Um, and then it should be surprising how unbasement like it is when people walk in. Yeah. And Mike is brilliant with design and had so many great ideas with this. Uh, just making the light, the right kind of light. We talked to somebody about what type of light you need to make it not feel like, you know, when you're in the shadows um, and all these beautiful touches. We wanted to, a lot of hair salons, I feel like, focus on making things super modern and cutting edge. Yeah. Our focus was kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. We want it to feel like home. And, yeah. And yeah, that's where I really, I'm like, I don't want to like come to feel like you are in like hospital. Like everything's white, everything is like modern. And, and I want to put, so that's why I like when I try to put the industrial touches with like mm -hmm. old pieces. I go find all this old, you know, phone and old. He finds these things at yeah. like flea markets. Yeah, but then, <laughs> but then you connect it with like the new Mac computer, you know. So I want this both kind, you know, combination, which I think what reflect my salon. You get the old and the new together. Oh. Mike has a really cool taste. I've learned to trust it. And in, in the beginning, it was kind of amusing because he would bring home all these <gasps> random pieces of trash. Um, <laughs> and they're not trash, but they're just really 
weird things and this eclectic stuff started to build up and we had a like a studio apartment at the time yeah and so half of our apartment was all of this weird stuff and i'm going okay well you know don't step on his toes like it's his place we're gonna let him design it the way he wants to and then i'll never forget we were we were down to the wire opening the space the contractors didn't get out until five seconds before we were supposed to open and that's the way it sometimes goes you're like pushing and pushing the contractors to get out the contractors finally left and we're trying to get everything ready to open the next day and mike starts running around the room just putting this little miniature stool here and this little glass bottle there and as he was putting things up i was like oh that's yeah. lovely oh that is oh that's how you wanted to and it was fantastic it all fit in the most amazing way I, i'll never forget that and so i learned it okay he brought home a weird old telephone let's see where he's gonna put that <laughs> and it always it's amazing how yeah. it works yeah yeah, and now like we have the expansion, you know, which is which also happened by accident too. Like I have a room next to the salon, and it happened to be available, and we have to fix it. Why did you want to expand? Well, well I, I never thought I want to expand. If you always tell me like, oh, you're gonna be big, and I really hate it because it's not my vision to be big or have many salons. It's not where I'm focused. I really want to have more comfortable for my client. That's my main and my team. And, you know, the salon, it's 450 square foot. So it's more room. You have, you know, no storage. I mean, I make it work. But I get this chance, you know, my landlord called me, like, I have this extra room. And, you know, I want to ask you first because, you know, if you're interested. And I'm like, I have to make the call, even take it or not. And I know it's going to be a lot of work, but you have to make the decision. And I decided, I'm like, yeah, I want to do it, you know, because if I don't take it, I'm going to regret it two years from now. And... The whole idea of like expansion, really, I tell, I see how people now are coming, like, oh, it's the same vibe, which is really my my main focus. I don't want to make it big. I want to make it the same basement, hidden vibe, just have more space. So can, people can sit down like in a beautiful couch. People can have a glass of wine while they're waiting for the color. People have, like, have a small bar. So I want the people more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I just want to have, let's spread the energy a little bit so we have more mm-hmm. space. So that's the whole idea. I was just, you know, making the space a little bit more bigger. Relaxed. Yeah. And Relaxed, yeah. yeah, and enjoy the experience. That's mm-hmm. actually my, what I believe, you enjoy the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are your clients now? I have, actually, I have really, like, amazing clients. Like, you meet from uh, Broadway actors to Wall Street people to uh, teachers to Upper West Side Moms. And Betsy. And Betsy, of course. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like Betsy, one of my, you know, clients who also believe in community. And yeah. uh, this is what, like, you, you connect with, you know, I met Betsy and, you know, what she's doing, helping this all small hidden stores in, you know, in Manhattan, which is really, like, it's special because she put so much the word out. All the stores are hidden or no one knows about them. And she created the business. And to highlight these incredible small businesses that a lot of them can't afford to drop the money like Verizon can on Broadway and take over yeah. the entire avenue. And these are the people who are focusing a lot on quality a lot of the time and having some really high quality things. Uh, but really, we have such a good clientele and it's making me so happy. Like sometimes you come and you see and I create, so I create something called the community table, which I really, really believe and it really work like when i look at my salon now it's a table right it's nothing special but what's special about this table first of all it made was love but my friend peter made it for me it was the old beams where he 
cleans them and he make a beautiful table. But From it's the old rubbish room. Yeah. yeah. But here it's this table to bring people together. Like while he's sitting, there is food and drinks and candle and there's good energy. And you have no idea how many people sometimes they don't even look at each other. You know, people just distracted in the phone and the world. And like I have no and I have no TV in my space. I really want people to talk to each other. Yeah. And when I watch like you see people meeting and they connect and I'm like, Oh my god, it's so simple thing can change, you know? We are without any pressure to I mean <laughs> Mike has a way of bringing people together too. Like he'll he'll introduce people in such a way that they are able to casually sort of discuss. He's even done. He does a little bit of matchmaking. <laughs> yeah, I have. A, actually, I have a book called the Habibi book, and yeah, and I it's it's uh, it's just simple. It's the book I put people who are single in it, and it's like. But I really like. I mean, I already matched six seven people. We've I, been to wow. three weddings. Wow. One just got pregnant recently. We yeah. won't say who. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> her wedding was last Great year. Great job. Yeah, <laughs> but see, like it's this kind of things. It's like it's really fun. Like when, yeah. when I see people mad, like they meet through me, it make me happy, and I don't have to be you know involved. I just introduce you to each other. That's mm -hmm. all. And this is you and all your own. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, but, yeah. But the salon is working really. Like now we've been there four and a half years, and I look back and I'm like, it's look, it's a lot of stress. It's work, and it's not easy. Having staffing, you know, the finance, you know, like you have to work hard. We open seven days a week because mm -hmm. it's not like you be making millions. It's not. Mm -hmm. New York City expensive, everything expensive, you know, you, but you can't stop. You have to keep up. Mm -hmm. But you're creating something good, you know, and that's what keeping us, me and Amanda, like we're creating this businesses where we feel like we are, we cannot stop now. We have so many families living from this businesses. It's not about me and her. And I told her one day, like, it's not about me and you anymore. It's more about, we have so many people living from these businesses and mm -hmm. we have continued. People depending, yeah. people depending on us. Mm -hmm. And for both of you, is it worth it? Oh, yes. No question. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because again, like, we love what we do. We really, we do what love what we do. That's no question. But like anything else, it comes with price, you know, Not, nothing easy. You like. have moments, like especially when you're facing a particularly difficult challenge that you're like, trying to tackle and, and you'll have moments of stress where, of course, you, you question and want to run off to Mexico or something and live at the beach. <laughs> like you have those moments, but you know that you that just it's a sign that you need a break, maybe, or a sign that you I believe in leaning in to moments of challenge and that the greatest things in life come from from that moment of recommitting yourself um and i actually think in part it's something i learned a little bit from dog training and from some other places where you'll find when you're working with a particularly difficult case with a dog for example um usually the moment of success comes right after the moment of challenge that that tempts you with giving up so you'll have this great challenge and you're trying to face it down and you, and you really do think it's not going to work and I've seen over and over and over again that in that moment, if you can reevaluate, obviously, like re recalibrate if necessary, but lean in, the next moment is the most satisfying moment of all. Could you maybe each tell me about a challenge that you've experienced through owning your businesses? I mean, challenges, yes, is every day is challenges. You know, I for for me, uh, staffing was really tough. Like finding people who really want to work. Very simple. I want to work, you know, and not everyone, I think it's different culture. Where I come from, 
you have your job, you're really thankful to have the job. And you go to work every day and you, you never call and sick unless you really die, you know what I mean? You really appreciate your job. And here is a little bit different. Like some, I'm not talking about everyone. I'm taking the, some people, they don't want to work. They want to like make money without working. It's, you know, mm -hmm. and it doesn't happen this way. I mean, you have to work. You know, I come to work, like I'm the one I come, I clean, I do everything. So I feel that's a challenge, finding people who really want to fit the team mm -hmm. and want to work and, and like grow with you. I think that's one of the challenges I, I, in my business. I do a uh, little bit, you know, dealing with permits. That was really mm -hmm. tough in the city because I know the city is big and it's so much project. But man, when you are a small business, you just bleeding money and paying rent and you're not like operating. It took me almost two years to my first, my the the, the, the salon it took us two years to operate it, and I was still paying rent. You know what I mean? You know, you just you can't stop. You have to keep going. Definitely, the two biggest challenges that come into my head, I 100% agree, is finding the right team. It's a little bit easier to some extent with dogs because you just put the word dogs in a job advertisement and you get a lot of people who love dogs. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, finding and motivating the team and the question of permits and legality can just be daunting because it's not generally what you got into the business to do. And I think this is true of most businesses. You're sitting here going, I love dogs and people. And I have all these beautiful things that I want to help people learn about each about their dogs. And, and then I'm spending a week dealing with some glitch in paperwork. Um, and just nose to the grindstone hour after hour calling and, and doing things that can be very difficult. And I do think that there, there are some organizations that help with that. Like the small business association is, is wonderful. Um, but it's difficult to, to sort of go through the, the bureaucracy of it and to try really hard. The most frustrating moments I found are the moments when you try really hard to do something properly right. and yeah. And, and you do all your research and I'm, I'm pretty good at reading legalese and I'm pretty good at navigating the websites and figuring out what licenses are needed, what rules do we have to follow, are we supposed to hang our sign three quarters to the left, or like there are these really really small rules that I'm sure have a reason that they have to be implemented but they they don't make much sense. For example, getting a permit to hang a sign outside of my facility. We we filed that application I think six months ago and we haven't heard anything. Um, and it's for a sign that's no bigger than a sheet of paper. It's the only thing that's allowed for a landmark building. And we have to get an elevation drawing. I had to hire an architect to draw this elevation and do all these things to get this postage stamp sign maybe accepted. Um, and there's a million tiny things like that. And heaven forbid that you don't know that you're not allowed to hang a sign and that you miss that. dog world it's it's just like people who are doing quality stuff we have to be working together so we can help people more create the community better create the community mm -hmm. and I I've never regretted a connection I made with another dog trainer and a lot of them can now come here and train in my space and I could go and train with them if they were doing and and the doggy daycares and, and just bringing everyone together so we can be collaborative like I want to help that's what it is like you know like Amanda she like you you can come and Teach me some technique and dog. I'm not the best, you know what I mean? I don't think I'm the best. No. Don't be humble. I have one of my clients, you know, I'm not he's a, he's an actor, I know he's he's famous now and and 
he told me one day one thing we were in Christmas party, you know. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. And he's amazing. Like he's really amazing. Now he's all over and he told me, Mike, the bigger you you go, you should be the more humble you are. And I it's sick in my mind because I'm like, yes, like be humble. Doesn't matter how many millions you have in your pocket. Just be humble. It's a choice you make in life. You can be the richest guy and the most famous guy, but it doesn't make you be not humble. And I think I, I stick with me. I, I will, I'll always be who I am. I will never change, no matter how success I am. It's just it's just different where who I am. Mm-hmm. How do you think this neighborhood specifically has colored your experience? as business owners. You're three blocks away from each other. Um, so Yay. it's the same neighborhood. <laughs> you're part of each other's community. You're in the same community. Uh, I mean, What does it look like? Well, I mean, Upper West Side is really special. It's, I feel like people who don't know New York, they, f- they see New York as like big buildings and traffic and busy and no one even say hi to you. That's how people think of New York. And it's not true. Like, I mean, Upper West Side, for example, you know, like, not only Upper West Side, but Upper West Side is a small example because it is has a still community. Like I go and I see the grocery guy who been there for ninety years, and and like I say hi to him, and this kind of stuff you really miss in this in the city. That's where like we're talking about the salon and the community. Like people like you go to Midtown, and so it's like forget it. No one even look at you. Like everyone busy running, running, running. No one even look around. And you Upper West Side. You go in the morning to the dog run, you see everyone. They, people make this plan. Um, before 9 o'clock, I have to go with my dog to meet this and have coffee. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, the same with, like, coming to the salon or going to the, you know, grocery guy or mm-hmm. go to this Pilates place. So Upper West Side still has a charm. It's obviously it's changing a lot now, but I really believe, like, we, like, have, a, you know, responsibility to keep that charm, not just mm-hmm. become all about big businesses and, and big banks. It's it it has this really special you know touches, and 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 this is what keep it really people care about. I feel. Do you agree? A hundred percent. When I think about the Upper West Side, I just I have such a huge amount of love in my heart for this neighborhood. Um, I feel like I became who I am in this neighborhood, and partially because of the community that is here and the amazing loving people who live here yeah um when i first started working with dogs was the first year i lived here and there was something about this neighborhood that i'd always loved that i'd always been attracted to i used to come here to hang out at like barnes and noble and so like i i just loved it here uh i went to his hair salon even when i lived all the way out in staten island i would come all the way up to go to mike because there's just something special about this place and then when i started working with dogs it was like i fell into the home i was meant to be in my whole life and I receive so much love from this community. Even when I've had setbacks and things that have gone wrong, my, my clients have written me letters, there's outpourings of affection, and it's, it's like that everywhere you go. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the biggest problem that a dog owner with a reactive dog has, that's a dog that's behaving aggressively, is that too many people want to show their dog love. I mean, that's like, a, you know, that's a, it's like, no, he needs some space. <laughs> like, I, I just think it's a, and that's, it's just a loving community, um, and I'm so grateful to to the people here for making our businesses a success because yeah, be, it all comes down to them. Yeah, be part of it. Yeah, letting yeah. us be such an integral part of this community, um, and it's even more so now that I'm a mom. Yeah. You know, there's there's a Facebook group called Upper West Side Moms that 
everybody knows because they're so influential. Being a mom in this in this community is a community. <laughs> All its, it's own. a community and a community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's powerful. Like we got actually so many like it's I get so much business from this. I'm not even in it, I'm a dad. I don't know. <laughs> no, Upper West Side dad. But people tell me like, you know, like I'm I'm looking for like a recommendation. Everyone like, oh I'm talking about you and your salon. And it's what's cool. Like, it's actually the best yeah. marketing you can have. Yeah, it's, like word of mouth. It's word of, ah, it's, it's without doing, paying someone money to, like, really, someone recommend you to go to your right. hand or to this dog trainer or this, yeah. you know, nice restaurant. It's, it's The personal it's, recommendation means it's, so it's much. Powerful. If your best friend or, <laughs> you know, someone who you trust tells you to go somewhere, and what's going to give it a try. If, if you trust this person and you go to this place and you get you know what you're hoping, you sold. Mm. Yeah, you know, you just sold. You will go back and, and send other people. Yeah. Well, I think it's like one of the reasons I like that group and I talk about it is it's such a helpful community. And I think one of the misconceptions about New York in general is that people are mean and stingy and, and mm. don't like each other and nobody talks to each other. And it's it's quite the opposite when in moments like that. So like I can post on that group, hey, I'm wondering. It has it can have nothing to do with babies, right? I'm wondering where to get my hair. Yeah. Done. And, like, and you'll have... get 50 comments of recommendations and, and things, people genuinely helpful. Like, And I'm always wondering, like, what are people doing? They're watching and just giving recommendations. It's wonderful. Like, <laughs> They just want to help each other. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. I just wanted to ask if you could talk a little bit about some of the specific things that you're doing to contribute to the sense of community. You've talked a lot about it. And like Mike, you talked about your community table. Amanda, I know that you recently had an event or you've been having paint your dog events. Ah, yeah. um, where, not where, not in which you paint on your dog, but right, you right. paint pictures of your dog. One of the events. We were joking around about doing a paint your human event and having the dogs just go through paint on the way in, but um, <laughs> paw prints, I don't know. Um, no, yes, yeah, so we're doing uh, paint your pet and sip events, and this is one of many ideas that I have um, to do culture event, cultural events for dogs and humans. So it becomes about more than getting your dog to do a sit, getting your dog to behave. It, it, that's not why we got dogs. We didn't get dogs to teach them to behave. Um, that's just a side product of what we want to do. What we want is to have a good relationship with them and with other members of the community. A lot of people get dogs because there is this sort of romantic idea of going to the park and meeting other dog owners and the friendships you'll make. And the truth is that is absolutely possible. Um, and we're trying to facilitate that and also frankly just have fun with our dogs. Um, so one of my trainers is also an artist and we've had, we weren't sure how it was gonna go to be honest. Um, I, I pitched it to her and, and she's like, oh yeah, I could totally figure out a way to do this. and people send in a picture of their dog and she makes a template for them and they come to this event and she teaches them about different art techniques and they paint a picture of their dog while, you know, having wine or apple cider or and whatever. And they bring their dogs, I mean... They bring their dogs, as long as their dogs feel comfortable at a party, they'll bring their dogs and the dogs are playing and the people are laughing and having... Talking a, to each other. it has been amazing. I participated in the first one because I was so interested to see how this would go and I... I mean, I fiddle around with some crafts here and there, but I'm not a painter by any means. And this image of my dog looks like my dog. I mean, yeah. it really does look like Yeah, Diego. it's behind you yeah. on the shelf, yeah. and I'm looking at it. It's so good. I, I love it. I can't even believe I painted it. Yeah. And so it's gone from me being like, isn't this a good idea, everybody? To me being like, look at this picture of my dog. You could do this too. And I'm such a cheeseball about it because it turned out so great. Um, and so they're selling out every time. People love it. And I think it's an indication of the types of, of things that people crave in the community. We're gonna do some um, pet CPR classes so people can learn how to 
have a, deal with an emergency with their dog, which I think will be really cool information for people to get. Kids. We're bringing in a guest teacher to teach um, nose work, which is where you teach your dog how to smell out different objects, and it can even be competitive. We're talking, um, there's uh, several teachers have approached me about bringing their students here for field trips so mm -hmm. we can teach kids about dogs and um, you can do everything from safety to just having fun with your dogs. And we just we just have ideas coming out of our ears now that we have a space to do them all in. Uh, there's so much fun that we can have with the community um, that's beyond, yes, we'll teach your dog how to sit, stay. Of course we'll teach your dog how to come when called. But you know what else we're going to do? We're going to paint them. We're going <laughs> to have a Halloween costume uh, event where we make costumes for our dogs that are humane and that your dog will love to wear. And, you know, things like that. We're really excited about. That's awesome, Mike. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add on like community contributions? I mean, uh, your like, community events. Yeah, too. I mean, yeah, I do a lot of yeah. events actually. Like, it's amazing. Like, a salon, I, we host comedy night. You know, like that was a so like I mean, it was free, but it was like some you know celebrity comedian post, and it was like full. Like we did, you know, like I tried to do as much as event so I can help. I have like an artist come, you know, paint for the holiday, we do the bazaar for the holiday, so I can bring all my clients to have, you know, they make an art, or they make uh, uh, cookies, or they make any good idea, I can help you, bring it on. He brought in small businesses for the holiday yeah. bazaar, so people who make jewelry or soap or whatever, and each day there were different people on the community table. Yeah. Uh -huh. And they promote the product, yeah. but they, they're not pushing it, so they're sitting right. and they're having, you know, everyone relax, and they're selling the product mm -hmm. without selling it. And we did one day for like, you know, we did uh, uh, for the rescue, we got donation and so many people do so much stuff. They, you know, like dogs, you know, food or dogs, toys. And it was like a whole box oh full gosh. of... Because everybody has a closet full of stuff that they're not using from their dog anymore. So we, we put it all on social media. Salon Riz, uh, dog rescue collection. Yeah. It was around the holidays. And we were outside with pe person after person after person coming by with just stuff spilling over the, ba the banister. Yeah. <laughs> so much stuff. It was great. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for having us. Yeah. Uh, thank really you fun. so much. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs>